Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. Studies show that more than 23,000 millionaires have left India since 2014 and that nearly 7,000 left in 2019 alone. Since 2015, nearly 9 lakh Indians have given up their citizenship. Before the 1991 economic reforms, India suffered from a serious case of brain drain that was reversed as the country made rapid progress on the economic and social fronts. Today, India faces a brain drain again, witnessing the sharpest rise in people migrating overseas at nearly 1 crore between 2000 and 2020, according to the International Migration 2020 Highlights Report issued by the Population Division of the United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs in January 2021. Why is India losing its best minds and most prosperous citizens? And where are they going? All Indians Matter. We have on the show Sadat Sheikh, who is based in Mumbai and advises high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals and families on residence and citizenship planning and building and maintaining relationships with wealth management firms, tax advisories, law firms, private banks, and family offices. Having worked in London, Dubai, and Mumbai in investment migration with different nationalities and cultures, Sadat has a truly global perspective. He had a recent stint with Henley and Partners, the global leader in residence and citizenship by investment. Welcome to the show, Sadat. Oh, thank you for having me, Ashraf. Hello, everyone. Sadat, there seems to be a renewed vigor in Indians, especially the qualified and the well-to-do, looking to leave and take up citizenship of other countries. What is driving them to do so? A good question, Ashraf. Historically speaking, we as Indians, we've been quite uh, attracted towards the English-speaking countries, uh, mostly uh, the US, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand. A lot of the investment migration programs have started in the 80s and 90s, so people are more familiar and accustomed with, of course, the English-speaking countries. Now, recently, there has been quite a lot of new options uh, coming up, and people are now looking at it a lot of from different perspectives. It is to do with you know education for kids. Uh, people want to plan for that. They want to uh, plan for the future. It is about diversification of assets, uh, wealth preservation, access to healthcare. So each to their own, each and every family has their own agenda. Um, so I kind of connect and understand uh, what the requirement is, what fits in, and advise them accordingly. Sadat, which are the most preferred destinations and which are the new emerging ones and why? Right. So. The preferred destinations, like I mentioned, you know, US, UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, these have been quite popular. And there are different reasons for why these options are popular. Recently, you know, in the last few years, let's say we talk about the US. In 2019, there had been some changes during the Biden administration, wherein the Trump administration had raised the investment amount. And we had seen double the investors invest in the US because there was a $400,000 reduction in the investment amount, which is quite significant for Indian investors. It has gone back up now in the last few months. So it is, you know, more than 850000 US dollars. So what people look at is, of course, what is comfortable in terms of their financial capacity, the proximity of the country, uh, the options for the children themselves, and how there is a lot of reasons. So to answer the question, I would say USA is still definitely one of the options. Uh, Portugal has come up quite a lot. Um, you know, pretty uh, it's a new 
option that has entered the market really well. It was launched in 2012. By the time people got the citizenships after five years, it's been like 2018, 2019, 2020. So now people are seeing that people are getting the citizenships of a European country. So that is uh, pretty uh, comfortable as well. And um, the emerging ones, like I said, each and every family and individual have their own agenda. People come uh, with different reasons. Some people are looking to expand their business. Uh, some people are looking to travel uh, and expedite their traveling rather than applying for visas. So then people might also go for the Caribbean options um, like uh, Antigua and Barbuda, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, Grenada, Dominica. These options, they are countries which can help you access their citizenship starting from $100,000 to $150,000 of donation or an investment in real estate. So each and every country has um, you know, a different investment requirement, physical presence requirement. Some of them have language requirements and so forth. So, yeah, to answer the question, Western countries, Portugal is the new one that is coming up very strongly. And uh, for other investors who are not looking to completely relocate, Greece, um, you know, Turkey, Malta, these options are also becoming a bit popular now. I know you've already spoken about the reasons that uh, people move for. Uh, are there any others uh, that people are looking at when they take up citizenship elsewhere or simply move? Yeah, it's about, you know, basically hedging the sovereign risk, having access to healthcare. In the last two years, uh, you know, everyone witnessed uh, uh, the pandemic. Each and every country reacted differently. So there's a lot of my clients who have been rethinking where you know, the travels have been restricted and they would love to have access to first world countries' healthcare. So that is something that has come up. Some people have taken it to heart and they would really like to have an alternative residence. What's interesting is, uh, you know, most of my clients, I would say around 60% of them, maybe even more, they don't relocate. They like to have a backup plan. And, um, you know, I can answer this more in depth in, in, in the later conversation on what do they evaluate, uh, what do they look up to, and um, you know, what do they compare this with in terms of uh, investment options. Sure, that's, let, we'll do that. But before we do that, Sadat, are you seeing a lot more highly qualified people looking to leave than before? And if yes, then why? Yes, um, that is there because now what's happening is a lot of the countries, um, they've realized you know, how uh, things have changed in the last two years. So now countries are coming up with new programs that target talent. To give you an example, Australia, quite a few uh, people from India, from Mumbai, have acquired uh, the Australian, it's called the Global Talent Individual. That is based on 10 specific industries. Uh, I'll just name a few popular ones. Uh, you know, They are interested in people from Digitech, Agrotech, Circular Economy, uh, Defense, Advanced Manufacturing, FinTech, also now Blockchain, uh, industry. So these are the interests they're coming up with. Uh, UK is coming up with another uh, talent visa. Uh, now, there are different requirements in terms of age, uh, their annual salaries, uh, their presence, and different requirements. If they tick the box, um, you know, they can get uh, permanent residence without an investment. Like, I've been pretty successful in helping my clients of Australia. Canada does not have much, but let's say the, you know, Bollywood fraternity, they can also get access to uh, visas based on their profiles. So that is another industry uh, that people are getting uh, you know, alternative uh, residences. 
And is the demand for migration coming only from the large cities or are you seeing inquiries from smaller towns too? Now, we've mainly dealt with, uh, you know, Mumbai, uh, Bangalore, Delhi, Chennai, Hyderabad, Gujarat. And yes, uh, there are, you know, India is big, big, big market. And, um, you know, there's a lot of new millionaires coming up every month. So people are aware. It's just that the lower, you know, the other pockets are not yet that strongly coming in as in compared to the large cities yet. And uh, which qualifications are most in demand abroad? Like I said, um, you know, particularly for Australia, it's uh, from the fintech background, PG tech, anything to do with tech is something that is preferred. Healthcare, healthcare is another industry, circular economy, defense, advanced manufacturing. And uh, I think, yeah, these these are the major ones where people are getting the... Like to give you the statistics, uh, Australia has granted more than 8,000 talent visas globally, uh, which is a significant number. And um, these individuals just qualify. So they are giving these visas to those individuals so that you know the country benefits from their expertise, their network, their talent. And also not to forget Dubai. Dubai is also actively helping such talented individuals get a golden visa. Right. And what are the different routes Indians could employ to get citizenships elsewhere? For instance, we are seeing a lot of nations offering residency or citizenship based on investments made there, as you've already mentioned. Good question. I would just like to take a step back to differentiate the two things. Uh, so one is a citizenship planning and the other is residence plan. A residence plan is where one can you know, live, study, work and retire. So with a residence permit, Ashraf, you can go to one of the countries, you can settle there, you can live the 365 days all your life, no problem. In your residence permit, you would still have your passport, the Indian passport, and you would have access to that country. Depending on the country's requirements, some countries, they ask you to stay six months, eight months, you know, every year. Some of the countries like Portugal, only one week a year, which is pretty convenient. And uh, it depends on country to country uh, where you can get your citizenship. So after you get your residence, you can qualify for a citizenship. Now, citizenship is where you get the passport for of another country. Uh, now, bear in mind, we've touched this, so it's important to understand we as Indians, you know, we don't have the option of dual citizenship. Um, so anyone who applies for another passport has to surrender the Indian passport by the law, unlike the European or you know Western countries where you can hold dual citizenship. So that is again comes in the plan where people involve, you know, their advisors, chartered accountants, tax advisors uh, to consult and then uh, to move accordingly. And uh, how does someone like you step in? How do you help people who wish to move? So this is in you know fairly uncharted territory. For most of the people, someone like me is there to handhold the client from end to end, uh, from start to finish, helping them identify different providers, helping them identify the right properties. It's a very you know important relationship where there's a lot of trust that the client puts in, and it's a highly responsible job for us. Uh, so we make no mistake; we go by the book, uh, we do our due diligences. Um, once they qualify, there's no adverse findings. Uh, and they clear the due diligence checks, only then can be on board. Our job is to help them. And, and I always tell my clients, you know, I'm only on board if I see a smile on your face and you're happy. That's the kind of relationship we want. So, yeah, our job is hard because these relationships last five years, seven years, 10 years, depends on the country. Uh, people are going to that country trusting you. So I, I feel humbled as well when they trust me. And 
uh, I do make sure that, you know, we leave no stone unturned in regards from the foreign perspective or the Indian perspective and uh, how to plan that. Because there's a lot of goals that are aligned with this, you know, the family goals, their business goals, kids' goals, future plans, retirement plans, asset diversification, wealth preservation. Most of the things are kind of entangled in this. So you've got to make sure that this move is the right move for the family. Uh, most of the times I've advised the families to wait. I waited out. Some people have just quickly, uh, simply denied, well, this might not be the best option for you. Yeah. Because some people, there are so many different families, you know, from, like, say, high net worth to the ultra high net worth. I've, I've, I've come across families who have, you know, their visas have been rejected because they've tried uh, methods which did not work out for them. So it's a very uh, critical job because once your application gets rejected or denied, then that's not a nice thing to have uh, and go back. Right. And what kind of uh, documentation uh, do people typically require? So most of the times, you know, it's uh, your uh, birth certificates, marriage certificates, um, uh, your uh, source of income, uh, the most important document. And um, your residence proofs, apostling the documents, notarizing the documents, uh, blood reports eventually, uh, police clearance reports, and, and, and many others. These are the major ones. And um, yeah, there's a lot of people uh, in India, there are different individuals and firms who help the clients uh, with this. And typically, what would it cost? What would the range be? Right. Now, let's say if you're looking at, um, you know, I'll talk about the popular ones, the U.S., U.S., there's a program called the EB-5. EDB-5 program will cost you $850,000 upwards. Usually, this investment goes into um, a regional center or it is a direct investment, goes into a project. The industries that it is invested in, hospitality, tourism, healthcare, and others. So that's for the U.S. Uh, the processing times for the U.S. are fairly longer. I would say around 18 months just for the processing. So clients need to be prepared before they get anything. Now, if you're looking at Europe, Europe, a residence permit of Greece can start with 250,000 euros. Portugal starts from 280,000 euros. So in Indian rupees, you're looking at somewhere on 3, 3.2 crore onwards. So this is for Portugal, and this is a pure investment. Now, there are countries where ultra h uh, okay, I'll, I'll rephrase it differently. The acquisition of the citizenship is the higher the investment, um, the quicker you can get it. It's kind of inversely proportional. Some countries are also, you know, um, uh, asking for a pure contribution, non-refundable contribution like a donation. Let's say Malta. Uh, Malta's donation is 750,000 euros onwards, but then uh, you get the citizenship in about two years, approximately. It is, it is a task. It is a long-term uh, preparation. Malta citizenship is not that easy as compared to the others. And then we can look at countries like the Caribbean. Now, the, usually the individuals who are applying for the Caribbean countries are business owners. Uh, this is another interesting thing that I've noticed is in my first few years, uh, you know, only business owners were onboarding. But now I have you know, C-level executives of different industries onboarding. And they do compare uh, the investment options between what they have in India and what's outside. So let's say if someone is looking to buy a two-bed apartment in Mumbai uh, with a good developer, I doubt you might be finding something you know, less than five crores in a good location. Very unlikely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, most of them would be under construction. Um, so people also have this uh, concern because 
uh, our Indian investors, you know, they have dealt with a very different market. Many of them have burned their fingers over here with different industries. So they're very, very cautious. It's very different over there. You know, there is a lot of protection for the investor in that country. So now if you're looking at the rental yields of Mumbai, you know, we're looking at somewhere around 1.8, 2.2%. The market is highly saturated. Now, people do compare this with, of course, different investment options, stocks, which is highly volatile, mutual funds or gold or crypto. Um, Whereas, let's say if you're investing in Europe, uh, you invest in a real estate asset, you're the beneficiary owner. Regardless, let's say worst case scenario, the application goes south, but the property still belongs to you. You can manage to get around 3% or 4% rental yields in that market. So, and again, that is uh, coming in euros. But a very important uh, thing to also take in consideration is the currency, on in which currency you're getting paid. Unfortunately, our currency is a depreciating currency over time, as we know. So returns from an appreciating currency is, again, uh, a benefit. So, yeah, depending from country to country, you know, Portugal, 280,000 euros, Greece, 250,000 euros, uh, US, somewhere around $850,000 plus. Malta will end up costing at least a million euros, and that is a pure cost. But Malta does also have a residence program. Okay, one more thing I forgot to mention is, you know, in the emerging uh, options, why is Portugal uh, that favorable? Now, what's surprising is uh, we've noticed in, in the last year, there's a lot of Brits and Americans also applying for Portugal. Different reasons for them as well. Uh, but one thing is there that this particular country, your residence requirement is only seven days a year compared to the English-speaking countries where you must reside there for eight months for f- every year for five years. Here, you do one week in one year, that's 35 days in five years, and you tick one of the boxes. Now, that is a, you know the exact requirement from the country, but I always advise my clients to do at least 10 days a year. If they're planning for a citizenship at the end of year five, there is a language test called the A2 levels, which is very basic. One of my clients is 55 years old, a very uh, humble uh, you know, Maharashtrian businessman. He's cleared his A2 levels in two months. Um, it's, it's not that difficult. Uh, so depending on the agenda of, of, of the client, uh, you know, it's very important to manage the expectations and, and plan their path and be by their side accordingly. The other countries, um, I would say the Caribbean, now a lot of, uh, you know, the clients from Dubai, India, uh, Southeast Asia uh, apply for these citizenships uh, because they would like to expedite their business processes by making travel easier. Let's say the Caribbean countries will give you access to more than 150 countries. Now put this into perspective. Where does our Indian passport stand and how do we compare this with the others? Our passport is ranked um, you know, around 85th on uh, the passport index. What is that based on? That is based on how many countries we can travel as an Indian. That's 58 countries that we can travel. Um, now, let's say if you go for a Caribbean citizenship, you have access to more than 140, 150 countries, which includes the European Union, Hong Kong, Singapore, in some cases, uh, Russia and China, uh, uh, the United Kingdom, but not um, US, Canada, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, these citizenships of the Caribbean can be acquired in six to eight months, start to end. The processing times are like three to four months, three to six months, and so forth. And the investment amounts are $100,000 to $150,000. That is donation. If they want to have a real estate investment, it would go from $220,000 onwards. You know, there is, I mean, I know of more than 40 countries um, that 
offer the citizenship and residence programs as it would take all day and night if I start speaking about everyone. So I've just picked on the few popular ones. Turkey is also an interesting, um, you know, option um, for um, quite a few people where they're looking for the citizenship. Again, there is no residence requirement for Turkey, like the Caribbean. It's based on you get the citizenship by investment in real estate. And um, of course, the Southeast Asian countries, uh, people are also looking at Malaysia, Singapore. South Korea has also had you know, quite a few investors going in. And um, new programs are coming up, programs are changing. I mean, it's, it's a pretty interesting uh, industry to work in because there's so many options that come in. And um, like like the US, you know, people did make the best use of it in 2019, where more than double the people invested compared to the other years because of the price reduction. If, if people are aware and they time it right, it's, it's a very good option. It's fascinating, Sadat. I actually want to come back to the reasons for people moving in the first place. Do you think at least a part of the surge to leave comes from a lack of faith in the Indian economy, at least in the short and medium term? I would say people want a backup plan to kind of uh, manage the risks. That's that's what people eventually, you know, everyone wants a backup plan. And um, this kind of gives them the comfort where they have an asset uh, and a residence, a place where they can go live or do business and they're welcome in that country. Um, so, yeah, people want to hedge the sovereign risk. Um, so any kind of uncertainty in any country drives um, the migration. Um, as we've seen in the neighboring countries, unfortunate circumstances, you know, people um, are looking to relocate. The wealthy ones want a backup plan. So uh, these are the things um, very important, of course. Uh, but, yeah, for, Person to person, you know, everyone has their own agenda, but some people do have those concerns as well. And uh, what about uh, social concerns? You know, India is suffering from great social turmoil. Is this a factor too? <laughs> well, what's interesting is uh, all my clients, highly educated, well-to-do uh, business owners and C-level executives, I haven't heard them tell directly. So I, I'm not entirely sure if that would be the reason, but they always want the best for the kids, the best for the families, uh, and of course the best for themselves with their hard-earned money. And uh, that's that's what they look for. You know, safety, wealth preservation, uh, diversification of risk uh, and assets. So these, these are the points that take the box for them. So Sadat, here's a question I ask all my guests at the end of the conversation. Why do you do this work? I'm a GCC kid. I was born and bought up between uh, Riyadh and Dubai. I moved to India in 2000, um, did my uh, graduation from here. And then I moved to London, lived and worked there. Uh, I've traveled Europe. Uh, then I was in Dubai working for a British company. I came to India. I worked in the luxury real estate market as well. Uh, that helped me connect with the local investors. And then I was given the opportunity to enter this market. And I, I, I truly relate with, with my clients and I connect with them. I think the most important thing is compassion and gratitude. I believe in these two things pretty strongly. Um, and that's, I enjoy helping a client, providing them true value. And I enjoy seeing happy faces at the end of it. That's what makes me work. Sada, thanks so much for helping us understand what motivates people to give up their citizenship or look to settle elsewhere. Thanks for having me, Ashraf. What motivates people to apply for another residence or citizenship is education planning for kids, uh, future planning, retirement planning, diversification, 
of assets, business expansion, and more. Uh, I'm more than happy to help anyone um, in, in, in this space who is looking to or has any kind of questions in this. You can easily reach me at um, at hotmail.co.uk or connect with me on LinkedIn, Sadat Sheikh. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in, that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer, that's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-W-E-R and All Indians Count, that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-C-O-U-N-T. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in. Catch you again soon. <laughs>